away from one tackle. He's at the 20, the 15, the 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. Dawson out to Harris for a three ball. He got it. Kennedy looking, center shot. The Spartans are on their way to a win in the Rose Bowl. Completion. Live from Impact Studios, the only sports show from MSU campus. This is The Pack. And your host, Fino. That is right, everyone. Your host, Fino, alongside with you. 7.02 Eastern Time on a little later here on the Pact on WDBM East Lansing. Guys, it's good to be back, and happy summer, and more importantly, happy Cinco de Mayo to everyone who's celebrating, to the students in East Lansing that are staying this summer, or really to any citizen that wants to go out there and enjoy a Corona or a margarita on this beautiful day. Happy to have you with us here on the Pact. Fino alongside Austin Goodman, Lou Divizio, the guy behind the glass, and Jonathan Yales, our special producer who is live tweeting our show, so feel free to send tweets at, at MSU Impact Sports. John will be responding to all the banter on Twitter, so feel free to tweet at John. More importantly, we are without one of our panelists today, Austin and Lou. We have no Faith Grugalecki. We are missing Faith today. She is at a leadership conference all week. So Faith, we know you're listening, but it's not going to be the same here without you. So give you a special shout out on this Monday evening. Feels pretty good, guys. You know, the semester is over. But the sports talk continues, as I always like to joke about. When does sports talk ever stop? Never. Never stops. But we're talking a lot of stuff today. NBA playoff actions. How many Game 7s were those? (laughs) Three Game 7s this past weekend. Two more Game 7s on Sunday. Just unbelievable. And this NHL playoffs have been something out of the blue. With comeback wins, we're coming off that Bruins comeback win on Saturday. That was a great game. We're down 3-1. I'm ready to shut the game off. Guess what? I'm glad I didn't, Lou. Because Lou DeVizio's Bruins, yes, our man behind the glass engineer, is a big Bruins fan, as Austin Goodman knows very well. (laughs) And they came back and won 5-3. So I thought that was a hell of a game there. A lot of good NHL action. A great game out in Orange County yesterday where the... Los Angeles Kings came back and gave a little sting to the Ducks. So they lead that series 1-0. We got a lot of great games. That Bruin-Canadian series captivates my eye. As I just mentioned, it's 1-1. I'm thinking it's going to be 2-0 series heading back to the Bell Center. Not so fast. Boston Garden and the Boston Bruins faithful has something else to say. 517-432-3893 is our number. Feel free to call in and debate. With Fino, Austin, and Lou. John Yale's answering all tweets. But I'll turn this over to you, Goodman. This playoff, this is, let's turn it to some NBA playoff action. I thought these are the best NBA playoffs I've seen in a while. And what an exciting weekend if you're an NBA basketball fan. Absolutely. I thought it was a great play. Every single series that were being played, mm-hmm. great playoff series, great playoffs to watch, great playoffs to be a part of. Even through all the controversy that's happening out in L.A. with the Clippers, which is a rough controversy for the players, they came over it, they got past it, and they moved on. And I love to see that. You love to see that, but I'm so glad, Lou, that Austin brought up that controversy with Donald Sterling's very illicit comments that he made about, you know, 
African-Americans. He had a great interview on ESPN on Sunday Conversation with Michael Wilbon. I don't know if either of you caught that interview, but I was just in awe, really, about how well Doc Rivers just handled that whole controversy. You know, not even ignore the fact that is a distraction. The players were angry, and they wanted to do something about it. And to me, the NBA took care of the politics in that situation, and they did something about it in the best way they could. And that's go and win that basketball game in Game 7 at the Staples Center. I, I wanted to chime in on the Donald Sterling situation because I know you got a chance to talk, touch on it last week, mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't open up to the rest of the panel here. But, you know, I, I'm just kind of – I just want everyone to realize that it's not out of the NBA's morality that they got rid of Donald Sterling. It was a PR move. They've known about this forever. Finally, it becomes, you know, big media talk. They had to squash it. They didn't care that he was a racist. They knew he was. But until this happened, they weren't going to do anything about it. You know why? Because he was a decent owner. Then this was ha- he a decent owner, though? He did a pretty good job. I, I, I mean, I, I, don't I, know, I'm, I don't know about his business dealings. All I know is that they knew full well about this guy, and they didn't have any reason to do anything about it because he was just holding steady. He was just one of the guys. And I think it's also funny when people are surprised that a rich 65-year-old owner of a sports team happens to be racist. I mean, honestly, as terrible as it is, it's, it's really not that unlikely. And I think it's funny when people say how shocked they were. Look, I don't think people were shocked. I think people were shocked about the extreme negativity of his comments, the complete shock factor and shock wave, per se, that it sent not only through the NBA, but to African American, not even just athletes, but to pretty much anyone. You never want to hear those comments about a particular race. And I thought they were an egregious comments, and they were borderline vomiting. Not even borderline. They were absolute vomiting comments. And I'm glad the NBA did something about it, Luke, because they really had no choice. But they did something about it because they had to. And you know what? They made the right move. You know, Adam Silver really put his foot down, and he said something for himself and for his position that he isn't going to be walked on as the commissioner of the NBA, and I love that. I love to see the decision that he made. He went to the highest stake with a $2.5 million fine, banning him from the NBA, but this isn't over. And I'm not saying it just because there is an entire process to make him, you know, give up his team. There is going to be several lawsuits. There are going to be several conflicts that are going to be brought up over this. The woman that actually presented the information illegally, I may add, you know, there's going to be a massive problem there. And, you know, there's a lot to be seen from this entire situation involving Donald Sterling. Before we get back into our NBA playoff discussion, this does need to be, you know, I am glad we are debating this, if there is much debate. But the thing is, so Donald Sterling has a chance to, you know, say something. And I'm not going to say make it right, because nothing he could ever say after these comments could make anything right. But what he said was instead of saying out of the picture, quote, I wish I would have paid her off, end quote. I thought as ridiculous as those comments were, you're in such hot water as it is. Why are you going to go out and make those comments? To me, that doesn't, that's just not logical. Because that's the kind of person that he is. He's not a good person. He's not a good person. He honestly should not be an owner in the NBA. And he's not. And I think they're going to do whatever it takes to get him out of the NBA. Although his wife said she wants to keep the team. So that's a very sticky situation. She still goes to games. Obviously, he has another mistress or another girlfriend. I don't know his personal life situation. But Lou brings a great point, folks. The NBA knew about his racism. The NBA now chose to do something about it because they couldn't choose to ignore it any further. I'm glad the NBA did it. 
I'm glad the NBA did what they did. But more importantly, I'm glad and I applaud the job that Adam Silver did. Adam Silver, as a commissioner, fresh on the job, gets dealt this card. Pretty unbelievable. And I like the way he answered questions as well at the press conference. He was to the point, very crisp. He was a little weird at some times. You know, it kind of freaked me out a little bit Some at some points with how serious he was in the face. But you could tell that it actually emotionally hurt him what was happening. And that's what you want to see out of your NBA see, commissioner. See, that's the thing that I have the issue with. You have no idea if it emotionally hurt him. What hurt it is financially. And everyone mm-hmm. wants to hand this guy a huge plaque. I understand he had to do it. And maybe he did want to do it. Maybe he is a good guy. I don't know. But we don't I don't, know him like you, that. But you can't say that this guy, like, you, I, I, I'm just tired of raising him above our heads. Hail, hail this guy. Hail Adam Silver. I mean, he did a great job, but what a, if he didn't do that? The guys, I, I mean, he, he, he had to do it out of financial reasons. This had nothing to do with morality. So I'm tired of that argument. Well, not I, even financial reasons. It's he's the NBA commissioner, and he would have lost his entire playoff series. A lot of teams would have walked off the court if he didn't is, do what he but did. But that's a financial incentive that Lou is bringing about. It's for the game, though. I agree. Guys, it's for the game. I 100% agree with that. I think We don't know if Adam Silver's a good guy or not. But I'll say this. There definitely was a lot of financial incentive to ban him for life. And if he didn't do the steps he took, and didn't take the steps he took, you already know Mark Jackson says the Clipper, I'm sorry, the Warriors were ready to walk off the court. They weren't even going to take the court, guys. After the pregame warm-ups, the, the Warriors, and God knows, maybe the Clippers as well, would have walked off that court. Actually, Steph Curry said that they were going to take the court, shake hands, and right before the tip-off, they were going to walk off the Okay, court. so there you go. So there you go. Steph Curry says whatever he needed to say, and that's it. But I'm glad this is behind us. Absolutely. This is behind us now, and we don't have to worry about this. Because the, the, the thing that really bothered me was we were out talking about Donald Sterling. And Donald Sterling doesn't break a sweat. These guys on the hardwood break a sweat. And we've been, witness, we've been witnesses to an excellent playoff series. And now we finally get to witness this series and just play basketball again. The Clippers played an excellent game against the Warriors in that Game 7 at the Staples Center. A great crowd, realizing the whole Donald Sterling situation was somewhat behind them. Everyone can go and play basketball, and the Clippers played a great game. An excellent game. And I heard Joe Rexroad today on The Drive say that DeAndre Jordan is the reason why they won this series. Jack Ebling agreed. Because DeAndre Jordan played a great series. I agree. Lob City was back. And to me, no one was stopping the Clippers in that game. I don't care how well the Warriors played. You weren't stopping the Clippers. Draymond Green played really well. But in my opinion, you weren't stopping Chris Paul, who's been kind of up and down statistically, but you weren't, no one was stopping the Clippers. I think that Chris Paul can play even better than he played in that first series against the Golden State Warriors. And I think that DeAndre Jordan, he absolutely was the X factor. He absolutely brought it. He absolutely brought 15.1 rebounds per game. And that's incredible play from DeAndre Jordan. That's what you want to see. He brought heart and passion to the floor. You know, Lou, I I don't know what you think, but to me, no one was beating the Clippers in that series. And I know you had a lot of choice comments to say about the situation. It is, you know, to some people, it's a very demoralizing situation. The NBA did something about it. We're playing basketball. The Clippers are, they say, they are one, and they deserve to win that series. Absolutely. You know, I think they really kind of rallied around it. Uh, All the negativity surrounding that whole situation, you know, whatever you think of how it happened, how it was handled, why, and whatever. I mean... 
the the real thing is, you know, the players on the floor, they're the ones who had to deal with all this when they had a series to play. And they really did rally. I think Austin brought up a good point with Doc Rivers. I think he handled it as professionally as anyone ever could. Uh, I mean, Doc Rivers is a class coach, is he not? He is, he is. Wherever he goes, that man wins. I think the most important part for Doc Rivers is that he kept his players out of it and that he spoke for his players. He kept it. He, he, didn't need to, he didn't need to bring him in there. He right. did not need to. They had basketball to focus on, not a controversy brought up by the media for public relations. I think Doc did a tremendous job in leading those guys in a very difficult situation. Austin, you mentioned it. He spoke for his players. He took the blame for his players. And in that Game 6 game, when taking the court in Oracle Arena in Oakland is so difficult, obviously they got manhandled. I would go far and say they got manhandled. They didn't look like they wanted to play basketball. And even when it was his player's fault, he still took the blame and said, it was my job to get these guys to go out and play and to coach. And I didn't even do that. That's what a tremendous coach does, you know, and it's it's pretty obvious to see that because he knows how much pressure was on him that game right after that. It, you know, this all became public. And I mean, if I'm the coach, I'm saying the exact same thing, you know, and he did he did the exact right thing because you do have to get your players ready to – you got to get their minds right after that. You have to know that that's going to be dominating the back of their minds. And he, he didn't do a good job in that game, but, you know, he turned it around pretty quick. 517-432-3893 is our number. If you wanted to embrace the Spartan debate, feel free to call in. John Yales is behind the glass. He's answering all phone calls, and he's answering all your tweets. So if you're calling in audio-wise or if you're doing it electronically, John Yales is your guy. But Austin, Lou, I'm going to spin this in a different way now. We move past the Clippers series and that Warriors. What about that Nets and Brooklyn, uh, that Brooklyn Nets and Toronto Raptors series? I thought, to me, that was one of the best games yesterday. A 1 o'clock tip-off in ABC. The Toronto Raptors, who have never won a playoff series, who have never won an NBA championship, a newer franchise inside 25 years young, went out there and competed against a Brooklyn Nets team at home. And you know what? Although they lost the game, I have a lot of positive things to say about this Raptors club. I thought they went out there, and even when Amir Johnson fouled out, Kyle Lowry, who didn't get a lot of credit as one of the best point guards in the NBA, well, guess what? People know who Kyle Lowry is now. Whoever whoever is saying that they don't know who Kyle Lowry is, you do after that series, because he did whatever it took. Even though he got a shot blocked at the last second against Paul Pierce or the truth, there's no doubt about it that you know Number two on Toronto. I think that the Raptors put up a great fight. I think it was a great series, and it added to the fiasco of what the NBA playoffs were. But for me, and I've been with the Brooklyn Nets from the beginning, I think that Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett are two of the best players in the NBA still. They're two veterans. They're two players. I'll give you Paul Pierce. They're two players that are going for a ship for the last time, and if they don't get it, then they're out. And that's what was fueling their fire. But I like what I saw out of this Toronto Raptors team. They're young, they're fiery, and they're good. And they're ready to build themselves up to be a very strong team in the NBA. There's no doubt about it. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And I know you mentioned the Nets, Goody. But look at the Raptors. To me, Kyle Lowry in 41 minutes, he gives you 28 points. Yeah, he gives you five personal fouls, but seven for 19 from the floor. He's 12 for 14 from the free throw line. So he's drawing. He's drawing fouls. He's driving to the lane. He's giving you seven rebounds. He gives you three assists. But to me, when a point guard rebounds, he reminded me a lot like the coach of the guy on the other side of the court, Jason Kidd. 
a rebounding point guard. Didn't get a lot of assists, but really putting up points. And free throw 50% beyond the arc. To me, he reminds me of a younger Jason Kidd. And I loved what I saw. Amir Johnson fouling out did not give Toronto any hope. But when you get 20 points in 22 minutes, Amir Johnson is an effective player. And out of playing a, really a true four, 10 rebound, he gives you an, a, a double-double. I think, watch out, Toronto is a team to, to, that's a team that's going to be reckoned with, Lou, coming in the forthcoming years, without a doubt. Absolutely, you know, and that series really did kind of put them... On the map? In, uh, yeah, put them on the map, put them right under everybody's noses, you know, that this team's, uh, they're going to be a force next year, whether, I mean, at least competitive, I think force might be a little overstating, but, you know, they definitely have that uh, presence in the backcourt with Lowry, uh-huh. and... You know, to push a team like Brooklyn, who was one of the hottest teams down the stretch at the end of the regular season Yeah, they season had the there. best win percentage in 2014. And then to pu- push them to one point in a Game 7, yeah. I mean, it's pretty pretty incredible. You know what's there. pretty unbelievable of that? If you look at the box score, it doesn't tell you much. Because if you watch the first half of that game, it was really all Brooklyn. Brooklyn puts up, they put up 61 points in the first half. When you saw that, you're like, whoa, this game's over. They're on pace for 120. But then... Toronto limits Brooklyn to 43 points in the second half. They're down nine with about three minutes left. This game's almost in garbage time. It's almost over. Just like with that Brooklyn Canadiens game, I'm ready to turn the game off, guys. <laughs> Thankfully, a big basketball fan like I am, I keep this game on. Toronto goes down and compete. Maybe it was Drake right next to the head coach on the sideline, <laughs> but the 10,000 Toronto Raptor fans outside Air Canada Center, and so the complete sellout inside, 20,000 plus inside the building. You have 30,000 fans around there. The buzz about the team is unbelievable. They gave you a great effort. And you know what? Against a very pesky Brooklyn team, Lou mentioned, 73% win percentage in 2014. The greatest or the best win percentage at any NBA team in the 2014 year. It was very tough to fight off this Brooklyn team. And you know what? Toronto went in there and competed. And I'm glad what I saw out of Toronto. Because guess what? Brooklyn, we knew. I knew what we saw to Brooklyn. You knew Brooklyn was going to compete. Kevin Garnett in 25 minutes, a sneaky double double, just like Amir Johnson. 22 minutes, sneaky double double, fouling out. But you knew Kevin Garnett, who's got that tough attitude, tough and raw and attitude of just playing physical basketball. Paul Pierce giving you 40%, only taking 10 attempts, only giving you 10 points. You know, there's just not a lot there. And Joe Johnson, 11 for 25. At one point, Joe Johnson in the fourth quarter is electric. And they're just going to Joe Johnson every play for every play. And then Toronto, Grievous Vasquez on on Joe Johnson. That was a matchup. Once Grievous Vasquez went right on to Joe Johnson, you could see that there was something brewing there for Toronto. He gave them a spark, a couple offensive fouls, and a couple questionable calls. But Joey Crawford and his crew kind of stayed out of the game a little bit. And to me, in the NBA playoff, guys, when an official stays out of the game and you don't let the, the whistle dictate the outcome, I think that's the best outcome for an NBA playoff game. And we saw a great game in Toronto, and I saw a lot of the Raptors, but more importantly, the stories about the Nets pulling this out. Absolutely, you know, and they're going to have to move on here and rally themselves from Miami because, you know, everybody knows Miami's. I mean, now they're the favorite every year almost. Let me ask you this. I'm so glad we mentioned Miami. I saw this discussion on First Take, boys. Okay? Now, would you rather take Brooklyn with the momentum in that series against Miami, or would you take Miami Heat with the rest? Lou? I take Miami. You take Miami with the rest? Absolutely. 
I, I, but I, honestly, I don't think it has anything to do with rest or momentum. I don't I think, think it. I don't think it does. But it, it first take. It was just a great argument with you know Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith going back and forth, and I loved it. Would you take Brooklyn with that momentum coming off that great win in Toronto, or would you take a Miami team who's so well rested, who you knew what you know what you're going to get out of that team? I would take Miami just because Miami. You can't lie with Miami. You can't lie with LeBron James. You can't lie with Dwayne Wade. Let's be honest, guys. They're going for a three-peat right now. Mm-hmm. They are ready to go. And that rest, I don't think it helps them or it hurts them. Obviously, it helps them when you're an older team. you know. But the Brooklyn Nets are an even older team. You know, They got two old, way older guys that have been in the league almost 20 years. And those two guys need the rest way more than yeah. the Miami Heat do. Yeah, but you can argue that Miami needed the rest as well. D-Wade was very banged up. So you give D-Wade a lot of rest. Anytime you give a LeBron James, who's arguably the MVP, if not Kevin Durant, anytime you give the, that crew a rest, it's only going to be beneficial to Miami. I think it'll f- affect game one without a doubt. Maybe only the first half. Maybe the whole game, you know. And I, I think if Brooklyn probably has one of their best chances to win a game at, in game one without a doubt, but I don't think it affects the series as I well. 100% agree with you on that. And I also take Miami with the rest. But that being said, Brooklyn swept Miami in the regular season. Yep. How many games do you think this this series goes? I think it's going to go six. Six games? I think it's going to go so six you like, games. I assume you like Brooklyn winning two games, Miami winning the series? Yes. Okay. Lou? I'm on board with the same six. I could see seven, but I, I think it's more you likely to You would need to, to see a very veteran performance from, uh, from Pierce, from Paul Pierce. If you really want to see the Brooklyn Nets go to a game seven, you need a veteran performance to me, in every single to game. To me, I also like Miami winning in six games. I could almost see Miami winning in five, but the only way Brooklyn could win that series is if Darren Williams plays way better than he has been. You know, Darren, you're not going to win a game when Darren Williams gives you 13 points. Darren Williams, to me, has to give you a double-double. He cannot give you four assists like he did in Game 7 against Toronto. He cannot give you that. And he needs to give you, in my opinion, at least 15 to 20 points in order for the Nets to be competitive. Because you know Joe Johnson's going to get his shot attempts, and you know Joe Johnson's going to get his 20, 25 points. But for me, if Kevin Garnett gets his double-double and Darren Williams gets his double-double, Watch out, because if Darren Williams is getting his double-double, that means other guys are hitting shots, and that means Joe Johnson's hot. So I could see Miami struggling a little bit with Brooklyn, but I can't see him losing the series. I really don't. We'll come back here on the Pact, and when we are back, we'll be talking a little NHL playoff discussion, so feel free to call in and embrace the Spartan debate. We'll be back on a quick debate here on the Pact. You're listening to The Pact on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student, is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only Impact Prime Time. You're 
listening to coverage of Spartan sports like never before as we embrace the Spartan debate here on The Pact. That is right. Your host, Fino, alongside here on The Pact. No faith today. She is at a leadership conference, so we just have Austin to my left and Lou behind the glass. As always, John Yale's answering all your tweets and answering all your phone calls here on The Pact at WDBM in the basement of Holden Hall. Michigan, or East Lansing, Michigan. 517-432-3893 is our number, so feel free to call in and embrace the Spartan debate. But guys, before we talk about this NHL playoff discussion, you know what? There is There are two series that I would love to talk about in the NBA. That is some great series. You have that Wizards-Pacer series, who I actually love the Wizards, which will break, will break down a little bit as well. And that Portland and San Antonio series. To me, I absolutely love Portland. I think what Damian Lillard is doing with that big shot to absolutely... Yeah, Houston, they did have a problem because Damian Lillard is your problem. Oh, yeah. Coming off that big shoe deal, I'm thinking, well, you know what? Now he's collected his money. Is he going to kind of lay off the gas a little bit and pump the brakes? Oh, boy, did he not pump the brakes at all. I love what I saw out of Portland. But, Goody, I'm curious to know what you think about the Wizards. I know they were going really back and forth in their series. Not really, but I thought... I saw a lot of good things. And it was, it was definitely an exciting series with the headbutt from the Ney and whatnot. But what do you think about this Wizards series? I think the Wizards are a good team. I think the Wizards could definitely top the Pacers. The Pacers are having a rough go at it down the stretch here, and I think the Wizards are going to win in six. You like the Wizards in six? I like the Wizards in six, you absolutely. Know, you know, that being said, the Wizards are actually live right now on TNT. A minute 39 left. Wizards 25, Pacers 12, Lou. So... That If that doesn't tell you what's going on in that series, I don't know what will. But the backcourt of John Wall and Bradley Beal, I think that's one backcourt that is really going <laughs> to turn some heads here in the NBA. I love what I'm seeing. And Trevor Ariza, I think that's the X factor for Washington. Is Trevor Ariza's play at the three is giving you something other than what you're used to. Nene is back, and Nene gives you that physical presence. But to me, with that backcourt, Trevor Ariza, Lou, is my X factor. Yeah, you know, Washington absolutely looks pretty strong heading into this series. And, you know, more so than that, you know, Indiana for the first half of the season, rather, regular season, Mm -hmm. you know, they were one of the best teams in the league. And then they kind of just sputtered out. And they did a pretty good job getting out out of round one there. But, you know, I really think that Washington's going to move on in this one. I think the Pacers squeaked out of round one. Honestly, I do. I don't. Oh, think I mean, they did. There's they, no doubt about it. They are not the same team that they were about four months ago, and they're not going to be able to compete against this Wizards team. You know, I, I don't think the people are giving the Wizards a lot of credit, and I know the Wizards are good, and we'll talk about that in a second, Goody. But to me, I thought the Bulls would give the Wizards a little bit more of a fight. I learned a lot about the Wizards in that series, but I wish I could have learned more. Mainly, I wish the series went longer than what it did. But what I saw was that backcourt. I think we well, got John- a weak Bulls team. Yeah, That's the, what you really got. Well, yeah, and that just says a lot about the Bulls. But to me, in that first round, we learned a lot of what Indiana was. We learned somewhat, in my opinion, what Washington was. But really, we learned a lot of what Chicago was or is. Chicago, to me, is just not that good of a team. No. And they need Derrick Rose. And I'm going to say it. If Derrick Rose is not healthy, they will never win a championship with him on that roster. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, he's just – he expends too much of that team's – you know, mental strength because every time you step into there, there's kind of that that absence in the locker room when Derrick Rose isn't there. And if if you want to get rid of him, you know, and maybe 
rid yourself of this band-aid that you got at least right now you know that might be the best move yep a little score update from that wizards game wizards 26 pacers 12 a minute 14 left in that first quarter uh, over on TNT. So if you're listening in or watching that game, we're lucky to have you here with us here on the Pact on WDBM. But look, in this blowout first quarter for the Wizards, is anyone really here surprised? Not at all. That's I, why. That's why I said Wizards and six. I think they're a great team. I think that they are going to take it to the Pacers. I don't think that the Pacers are a good team. I think they squeaked out of the first round. They really did squeak out, of the and first they're going to get shut down by the Wizards in all facets of the game. So you like six games, Lou? Are you in? Ag- I do you agree with that. Yeah, I'm in agreement. Honestly, I think it could even go five just with the. I, I think the Wizards win in five games. I think so. I really think the Wizards win in five games because when I saw out of the Wizards in that Chicago series, I understand Chicago is abysmal offensively, but 69 points they put in that last game? Really? In an elimination game, you're going to only put 69 points up in four quarters? I thought I wasn't watching NCAA basketball. (laughs) We're watching NBA. 48 minutes, you're going to put 68 or 69 points? It's abysmal. But look, there's there's really no surprise what we're seeing out of the Wizards. Trevor Ariza is off to a rickety hot start, and I said it. He's my X factor. 12 minutes, 12 points. He's four for five from the field. He's perfect from beyond the arc. The guy's already four for four beyond the arc. In one quarter, he's made four free er, four threes. That's pretty huge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he has had no free throw attempts. So I'm not. You know, I haven't watched the game yet. I'll check out the highlights later. I'll turn it on after I leave the studio. But what I'm seeing out of the Wizards is they play like this, and you put thirty to thirty-five points in a in the first quarter. <laughs> I think I think everything's set and gone. In my opinion. What, all right, so let's switch gears, boys. What do you think about this Portland-San Antonio? I think San Antonio, other than Chicago in an elimination game, they look like they just asserted dominance. That game was over really before it started. Oh, yeah. I mean, watching that in the first quarter, I almost felt bad for Mike Breen and Jeff Van Gundy calling this, that game. This is going to be a great series. I mean, you got Duncan versus Aldridge. you got Parker versus Lillard. Those are two great matchups right there. you got a great series coming up here. The Portland Trailblazers are a team to be reckoned with. And I don't think a people, enough people give them credit. They're a great basketball team, guys. But as I've said on the pack before, I think the Spurs are an even better basketball team. I think it's going to be really tough this series. I really, I'm done picking against San Antonio because I really thought that – Dallas would give them a little bit more of a fight. Not that I would think not that I would think that, you know, San Antonio would lose that series, but in my opinion, a Portland Trailblazer team is going to give San Antonio fight. I think the series goes 7 games, and that's only and strictly because San Antonio has home court advantage. You know, I don't I think it'll go 6. I think San Antonio will get it in 6. I know I know Portland's an up and coming, you know, pretty fiery team there They're who could fiery. give them some trouble, but I don't see them giving them trouble past two losses. I don't I don't see it. I think San Antonio's going to pull their game together here and uh, get ready for the West Finals. There's no doubt about it, but to me, that 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 Portland Houston series was great. But to stop a James Harden, to stop a Dwight Howard, to stop a Chandler Parsons, all guys who are excellent NBA players, Look, they're throwing on a lot of guns out there. And Portland's going in there and just, hey, we're just doing our thing. We're doing our thing with LaMarcus Aldridge. We're doing our thing with Damian Lillard. And you know what? Those are two stars. And I understand LaMarcus Aldridge is already a star and he's established. But to me, this is all about the maturation of Damian Lillard. If Lillard plays the way he played in the Houston series, it will go seven games. 
You know, I, it it might. I could see that happening. But I just think that San Antonio, they're gonna they're a strong team. You mentioned how Portland, you know, they have they work well together, great chemistry. I think San Antonio is the def- definition of chemistry as far as a Western Conference conference team will go, just because of the fact they've been together so long. Popovich behind the bench. I just I don't see him going to seven in this one. I mean, it's a very fair point. You don't see it. And we'll wait and see. The NBA playoffs, you know, they've been tipping off all season long, and we've been waiting for it all season long. On on ABC and ESPN and on TNT, they've been doing great coverage. I'm very excited to see what the rest of the playoffs um, have left for us because, you know, you have, a, you have controversy, you have suspensions with that, with, you know, zero, Zach Randolph suspending, and I think that suspension of Zebo pretty much kind of KO'd him for the Grizz. There's mm-hmm. no way they were beating – Oklahoma City, in Oklahoma City, without Zach Randolph. So that was a little unfortunate situation. Did he punch him? Did he not punch him? That's a debate for another time here on the Pact, but we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. But, you know, we kind of changed gears here on the Pact. Let's talk a little NHL playoffs. And I know Lou has a ton to talk about, about his Boston Bruins. And my bracket and my bracket challenge on NHL.com is already busted. I had, can you believe it? I had San Antonio, not San San Jose, rather, winning that series against Los Angeles, and they were up 3-0, Goody, and they lost 4-3 to the Kings. I'm not high on the Kings, but for some reason you are. You know, I've been high on the Kings for a few seasons now, and especially with the addition of Marion Gabrick. That's phenomenal for the Los Angeles Kings, and I picked them to win this series mm-hmm. on Impact. On the Impact website, Lou and you I have. put a uh, a beautiful preview out there for everybody to see, and I did pick the Kings to win that series. And even when they were down 3 to nothing, a buddy of mine asked me, and he said, what do you think is going to happen with this series? And I said, I still take the Los Angeles Kings, and you know what? They won. And it was a bold statement. I would have been okay with being wrong, but I was right, and it feels kind of good. There's no way that you're not nervous at all. After your Kings are down, because you don't have the wings anymore, your <laughs> Kings are down 0-3 to San, to San Jose, and you think, honestly, that you're not, you're not sweating bullets at all? I honestly was not sweating bullets. This Los Angeles Kings team I don't buy that at was all. Yeah, real. They're real. They're a real team, and they, they're, the oh, I mean, fourth proved- team, they're the fourth team in history to be able to come back from a 3-0 deficit like that. I know that, and I will agree 100% that L.A. is a team to be reckoned with now. I'll give you that. At that point, though, I didn't see it. You know, I I just couldn't fathom that San Jose could collapse that much. Because as great as L.A. is, they needed help, and they got it from San Jose. They got it from Niemi struggling. Mm-hmm. They got, but, you know, the guy on their own squad who really pulled it together for him was Jonathan Quick. Jonathan Quick is an elite games, goalie. I was going to bring him up there. He is an elite goalie, and he will put the team on his back, and he did. He realized that he had a terrible game one and game two, letting up 13 goals, and then came back and played incredibly well. To me, if you look at this playoff, Jonathan Quick is... He's not, in my opinion, he's not even in the top two best goalies in this playoff right now. Well, that's Carey Price and Tuka Rask. Right. Absolutely, so, but yeah. I still think he's he's still right up there. You can make an argument for it, especially with the way that. that he closed out that San Jose series and the way he looked last night in Anaheim. You know, Anaheim, you could see it with the goal, the Getzlaff goal that they, he scored. When he came in, he was flying down the right wing, kind of faked a shot, and moved him because that's the book on Jonathan Quick. He loves to cheat out of his net, loves, loves to cut it. down the angle, and sometimes he overcommits. So he followed Getzlaff almost into the corner. Then he comes around, and he's literally turned around in the back of the net, and it's a goal for Bolesky. But, you know, so there's a book on him, and he knows that, though. And, but what, so, and he's but prepared book, for it. But there's a book on every goal. Absolutely. In the NHL. And he knows his weaknesses, and he tries to make 
the most of it, and his team also knows it, and they do a good job protecting him around the net like that. Look, it's a big overtime win for L.A. Gabrick with two goals. I think that's the unsung story. You guys mentioned Jonathan Quick. What about Marion Gabrick? I mentioned Marion Gabrick to open. I think Gabrick Gabrick has been lights out to an extent. Gabrick, I mean, tremendous pickup, you know. In the trade deadline there, a a lot of goal scorers, we're out there, and Marion Gabwick was kind of down t- the list. T- you know, Thomas Vanek is Vanek and not- Molson were at the top of everybody's list. No one really looked at Gabrick too hard. You know, obviously you know about him, but L.A. took a chance on him, and he came up, and he's he's rolling now. He's had a great playoff, and L.A.'s offense as a whole looks better than it has all year. In my opinion, Gabrick has given uh, his his team a better impact than what Vanek has given Montreal. I'd say so, only because of the win. You know, Vanek, if they would have held on Montreal in that game too, I'd say they were almost neck and neck. Yeah, but Vanek, but, but Vanek was out there with Montreal, and he got demoted to a fourth line at one point because he wasn't hungry. In game one. That's, yeah. that's true. But so, then, you know, Tarion talked to him after the game, and, you know, he kind of got his head right, and he came out and he two goals in game two. That's nothing to sneeze at there. Pierre Maguire actually had a great comment about that. He's saying, you know what, it was... You know, Montreal came in and made him hungry because he wasn't at one point. He was not hungry and he went in there and, you know, he's getting some points here and there and he's given his team more of an effort. He wants to skate. He wants to skate hard. And that's the big point. I'm not going to put you out there. if You're not going to be skating hard for me. And it's very apparent what he's doing for Montreal. I just think Marion Gabrick is giving his team a better push. And those are two trade deadline goal scorers, Goody. I just think Gabrick's more of a push. So you got a game two tonight. Mm-hmm. 10 o'clock. Anaheim versus L.A. Who's the winner? I like Anaheim. I, I don't see L.A. going down. Um, I'm sorry. I don't see L.A. going up 2-0 on Anaheim uh, in their building. I don't see it. I'm in agreement with Fino yeah, on that one. Yeah, there's no way. I think, uh, a lot of L.A. fans there, though. And I mm-hmm. think it's going to be tough for L.A., especially losing um, Willie Mitchell and oh, that's right. And uh, another one of their D there, Robin Regeer. I mean, those are two of their biggest shutdown D. And they're going to have a lot of trouble containing Perry and Getzloff without those two guys. Yeah, I, I think this is what it comes down to is if Timo Solani scores, he got a goal last game, but if Timo Solani scores, in my opinion, I think L.A. is going to be going to have a tough task ahead of them against Anaheim. I love Anaheim. I'm a big fan of Anaheim. They were very sneaky good, and Bruce Bordreau has done a great job with the Ducks. And, you know, he doesn't get a lot of credit for it. The Ducks have been really, no, you know, no pun intended, they've been flying high all season long, and no one's been talking about them. Everyone's talking about your Bruins, Lou. And I think with Anaheim now, the spotlight's on them. They have to perform, and I think they will in game two. Absolutely. You know, and I want to touch on that Boudreaux thing a little bit because, you know, everybody remembered when he was in Washington with Ovechkin. And, uh, you know, the, the, back and the NHL 24-7, you remember that, oh, when it, they lost that game and they ended up tanking in the playoffs. All you heard was about his profanity. That's all you heard. And, you know, and I think it was kind of an unfair portrayal of him. I mean, obviously it was the locker room shot. It is what it's like. But people don't really understand what he's like as a coach. Everyone thought he was just a loudmouth kind of sweary vulgar, guy yeah. who doesn't really know the game. And that is not at all the f- uh, truth about Bruce Boudreau. He's one of the best coaches in the league. I'll give you that. And he's really done wonders with this Anaheim team. You know, they had a good squad before he came over, and he pushed them over the edge there. They have a veteran squad over there in Anaheim. They've been together for a while. But you know what? That just shows a lot about Coach Bordreau. Wherever he goes, he wins. I know he's been, you know, every season hasn't really had a bad season. You know, they've raised the bar a little high on him. And, oh, no, he's gotten like 95 points one season in Washington and got a lot of criticism. And his criticism 
dealing with Alexander Ovechkin. But there's there, there not, is no dealing with Alexander Ovechkin. But that's an argument. But you know what? It's he's just, a, he's it's in managing his own that guy. He's in his own ball league. But he won't play defense. He'll never play defense. No, that's honestly, not the guy if, he he, is. if you want to open up the game to Alexander Ovechkin, I could rant about the guy for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Tell but, me if you've ever heard this statement. Alexander Ovechkin is a great two-way player in the NHL. Never. You've never heard the statement. <laughs> you've never heard the statement. Never, state? ever. And you will never, ever hear and, it. Because and he, he's an uncoachable player. You know what you have in Alexander Ovechkin. So, Courts Bordreau You is, do have the fastest shot in the NHL. Okay, fine. But who cares? He shoots it fast. He shoots it fast. He shoots it quick. He shoots it great. But that's the only thing that he has. And he can't play defense. To me, that's not Bordreau's style of coaching. That's I, not the way you win hockey games. It's not Boudreaux. It's not any other coach. It's not Adam Oates, apparently. You need, you need to play He's both the ways. reason why this t- franchise is in the dumps. And I want to move back on to playoffs because this could go for hours, I know. Yeah. Yeah. But he's the reason why the franchise is doing so terribly. Giving him the C was one of the biggest mistakes they ever could have made. But they're not going to take it away from, from day him. One. They won't, but they, I mean, they got to do should. something. Let me they a- should. Let me ask you, who are you going to give it to? I'd give it to Ad Brooks like in a second. Wow. And yeah. I would trade Ovechkin would... and Green and just overhaul the franchise, and that's not a joke. Absolutely. Wow. Ovechkin I... needs to go to a team where he could actually just do whatever he wants because this Capitals team. The thing could is be he needs serious. to go back to the KHL. Because no. you're not gonna you're not gonna win in the NHL it, with, a with guy the way like he that. does. Well, yeah. guys, before we look go at his plus minus rating, well, check on, that out for on. me. Yeah, we'll check that out in a second. John John will check that out for us. But when it comes down to it, I think if you really want to break break it down, the reason why Washington is so bad, I think their biggest mistake was getting rid of Alexander Semin. I think when you get rid of, I don't think that was a mistake either. I no, think he's another cancer like Ovechkin, mm-hmm. just a guy who doesn't want to get really back well in the together. Side. Now Semin, that Semin Backstrom Ovechkin line was great. I'm sorry, I uh, mean it, it, it didn't do too well in the playoffs. Well, but yeah, ask Yarrow Halak. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's that's so true. All right, but I, I kind of want to take it back to this Anaheim okay. Kings series really quickly. Let's look at the goaltending situation for Anaheim. This is the only thing that has me going, is that Andre Kopitar, he has four goals and ten points in the past five games, and he's going up against a double goal, basically two goaltenders when you really think about it. They're flipping back and forth between Anderson and Heller, and they don't really have any, I don't like that. They, exactly. They don't have a number one goaltender. And, you know, we were all putting so much blame on Jimmy Howard for not being the best number one goaltender for the but you weren't giving him confidence Boston. anyway. Yeah, uh, whatever. Regardless, you're not giving two goaltenders confidence by flipping back and forth That's my between point. them. Yeah, exactly. And, and both of these players, they're going to struggle heavily against this Kings team that are scoring a lot. Andre Kopitar has 13 points in the playoffs. Let's keep that in mind, guys. So in game two, you like L.A. or you like... Because... I like L.A. So you like L.A. to go 2-0, and Lou and I both like a split going into game three at Staples Center. Pretty That's interesting. Right. Pretty interesting. So let's switch this up now to um, this big series. Oh, it's a rivalry and a half. Montreal versus Boston. And first of all, Boston played a great game. They're down 3-1. They went out there and they won it and they grabbed it. You know, I thought it was an excellent... I think this is going to be an excellent series. But when uh, when Thomas Vanek scores his second goal of the game to go up 3-1 with around 6.30 in the third period, I'm thinking this game's over, right? But no... Dougie Hamilton scores. Pierre Bergeron scores. Dougie Riley, Hamilton's hot. He's hot right now. And Riley Smith goes ahead and scores that go-ahead goal. And Milan Lucic go ahead and scores. I mean, look, guys, look at the facts here. There's no doubt about it, but I think Boston at home is a great team. And I know Montreal won game one, but when Tuka Rass plays like he played, and I understand Tuka will tell you, out of anyone, he'll tell you he did not play well. But if that's Tuka Rass's worst game, Watch out. 
he was really upset with his game in game one there. Uh, you know, after and I didn't think game. he played that that bad. I think the the goal he was really most upset about was that uh, Bork five hole two on yeah. one goal because and I I was upset watching it also that was but, a rough know, goal to let in for Tuca it was but you know coming back in game two the goals that he allowed were you know he couldn't do too much about them and Montreal knows how to get to him you know they know how to get pucks to the net and they know how to get bodies in front that uh, I think it was the second Vanek goal was, to make it three to one it was it's just the dumb penalties that Boston was taking and you know, Montreal was capitalizing absolutely you got to stay out of the box because you know Montreal's power play has been it's been tremendous so far but you know it sh- it really shows what Boston's made out of and uh, I know you got a clip there Fino you know, mm-hmm. of Claude Julian basically saying the same thing I'm going to say but you know. Boston is they know they didn't play their game for the first 50 minutes of that hockey game. And you know, and it takes a team that you know that can win hockey games and a real championship team which I think the Bruins are and they've proved that that they can be that so far. It it takes a team that you know you know you didn't play your good 50 minutes but you're going to come back and you're going to bounce back and you're still going to take a game because it's all about wins. It, that's really that's all really all that matters. Lou, you mentioned the clip that Claude Julien on the comeback win. Let's actually play this right now on what he thought about his Bruins coming back and winning in game two. We don't get rattled. We just stick with our game. And uh, maybe that's why, you know, we're able to make those kind of comebacks because we don't get rattled. Uh, you know, uh, do we get frustrated at times? Uh, yes, it doesn't always mean it's about the game. It's about different things. But, uh, you know, at the same time, we don't get rattled. Uh, we believe in ourselves. We believe in our team. But it's beyond. That to me, I, yeah, I think what really goes out in. Was he rattled? I mean, I wasn't sure after that clip. <laughs> I don't think the Bruins get rattled at all. But to me, I think it just says a lot of what the Bruins about what the Bruins are. Yeah, you know, Coach Julian said, yeah, they don't get rattled because they were so good in the PK all series against Detroit, and Detroit barely, you know, really made anything happen on the power play. But then again, Bruins, Boston was very good on the penalty kill. Then you see them; they play Montreal. It's not the same picture. This is a rivalry team. Boston went out there; they battled; they were rattled, but they played well. Absolutely. You know, I was actually talking to Lou before the show, and I walked into the studio and I said, Lou, you got a one through four lineup team that is just incredible. And, and they really do. They have such an even team across the board, and that's what you need to win a Stanley Cup. You know, on the breakdown here for the pack, we're, we're talking about the Stanley Cup breakdown and who we think is going to win the Stanley Cup. Honestly, the Boston Bruins could really put a push for it this year. And that's coming from me. That's coming from a guy that's saying that. That's a big statement. We'll debate right on the pack. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, is Boston worthy to win the Stanley Cup? We'll debate only on the Pact. You're listening to the Pact on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building? Without all that smoking? Uh, Yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Primetime. 
Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. And now back to the Pact here on 88.9 FM. That is right. We are back on the Pact. Your host, Fino, taking you all the way to the top of the hour, 8 p.m., when we sign off and take a quick break that we do um, during the week. 517-432-3893 is our number. John Yale's behind the glass answering all the phone calls, so feel free to give him a ring, or he'll answer all your tweets via social media on at MSU Impact Sports. But guys, before we left the break, Austin brought a very, I thought, a very reasonable question, and I should bring it up again, was whether the Boston Bruins, I know, Lou, I have a feeling what your answer is going to be, whether are the Boston Bruins a legitimate candidate to win the Stanley Cup? I think they absolutely are, you know. And honestly, out of the East, other than Montreal, I think Montreal is their number one obstacle, you know. And if Montreal can hang on, or not hang on, you know, take advantage of that first game one win in Boston and pull together a series win, I think that's that's the biggest obstacle for Boston in the Eastern Conference. Now, if they make it to the finals, you know, hopefully – uh, it's, so you, a, it's a whole different story because there are a couple Western Conference teams, three I think, that are they could give them a lot of trouble. The Western Conference is a better conference, one hundred percent. Well, there's well, well, there's no debate about. Hold on, I I just want to give Lou um, a little bit of something right now. So you're just writing off Pittsburgh completely. Uh, for the most part, I am. Why? Mm-hmm. I just I just don't see him putting it together. You know, they had a really good game last night. That's what I'm saying. But That's you know, Brandon really Sutter's. Game, Brandon Sutter's kind of been injured a little bit. He's, you know, he's been in the lineup the last couple games and he's played well for him, but he's a huge part of that team. Sidney Crosby's not looking so great. Uh, you know, there's been speculation that he's hurt. Obviously, I don't have any idea if he is or not, but guy hasn't he hasn't scored. been playing 100%. He hasn't put in a goal. And you know, you they're not going to do it if it's not for that. I I mean, you, you saw what happened. Struggling. He is, you know, and you saw what happened last year against Boston in the Eastern Finals with Pittsburgh. And honestly, I don't know if it'll be quite as quite as uh, enthusiastic of a putout. But if Boston makes it on, I think that they would uh, dispatch Pittsburgh pretty easily. For I me, I don't think they'll dispatch them pretty easily. For me, I, I think it's a question of is are the Pittsburgh Penguins going to make it past the New York Rangers? Yes, they are, without a doubt. I don't think they are. Oh, give me a break. I don't man. think they are. Honestly, I think it'll go seven, and then it could be up in the air. I, I I'm kind of on the fence on whether or not I like New York or Pittsburgh. But the way Pittsburgh played last night, they sh- they should be able to do it. But, it, you know, they've been such an inconsistent Hold squad. Hold on. Let's break this down right now because apparently I'm in the minority on this one. Rangers-Pittsburgh, who do you like winning this series? Before I even go further in our Boston Bruins analysis. I do like Pittsburgh in seven. You like Pittsburgh. Okay, so you like Pittsburgh to win the series. So I'm not in the minority. I like Pittsburgh to win in seven or eight. Yeah, yeah, I like Pittsburgh in seven games. I'm sorry, I can't pick Pittsburgh. I can't pick Mark Andre Fleury. I can pick I can pick Henrik Lundqvist, who's one of the best goaltenders in the world, and, and that's how I feel. I think that the New York Rangers can and will beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. First star in game two, guys. It was Mark Andre Fleury throwing it out there. 
I know, and you know, and he he does have the capability to play tremendously, but it's all in his head. I think. I think he's kind of like Luongo, and that he kind of gets in his head, and he kind of struggles when he's off his game like that. But he's kind of pulled it together, and kind of pulled it together. But the thing is, I think he's pulled it together enough to beat New York. Well, he only faced twenty two shots, so I get it. He had a light. This this is what I'm saying. Exactly. He had a light load, but still, I think it is a nutcase. I I think it is all in his head. It's a mental thing for him. And you saw the show that King had to put on there, Lundquist. That is the King uh, in in the second or third period. You know, I mean, he had to put on a show against him because of that offense that Pittsburgh has, and they had him rolling. What has he won? He's won multiple gold medals in the Olympics. So that's something. With the yeah. Rangers, what has he won? He has a one. I mean, uh, it, it's a different it's story. It's also the team the around Cup. you. It's a team around you. Team but around the, him. But he's the got Ra- all stars. Listen, it's the Rangers- King Longquist. That's oh, his name. My. It's Listen. King Henrik. If you really want to do it right, <laughs> but. <laughs> I- I think that Richards and St. Louis and Zuccarello and all those guys. It's a pretty good team around in New him. York. He, right now, yeah, absolutely. With the addition you didn't even, of, you didn't even the, mention Rick Nash. You didn't even mention Dan Girardi. You didn't even ma- Yeah, you did mention Zuccarello, so I'll give you that. Mark I Stahl. Haven't, I haven't mentioned Rick Nash because Rick Nash also hasn't scored a goal in the playoffs yeah, at all. Yeah, but he's still making millions. That's my point. He's making millions, but he, is he making an impact with those millions? I, do, I think not he, right now. So far, he hasn't scored a goal yet, but I think he's been playing pretty good hockey. He's been firing a lot of pucks, and I think he's going to break through for the Rangers. I think if he breaks through, that's obviously going to be the X factor there is whether or not Rick Nash can do it. Because Marty, so far, St. Louis, he's been playing well. You know, mm-hmm. when he first came over. So is Brad Richards. Absolutely. You know, and Brad Richards, and you for, I, I don't know, people may forget Brad Richards and Marty St. Louis on that 04 uh, Lightning Cup team. You know, they have some chemistry together and they're playing real well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one forgets. That's the only thing John Tortorella will ever win. So no one's going to forget that. <laughs> okay. So, I agree with you 100% there. So, okay, so fine. So you like what? You like the Rangers to win? I like the Rangers in seven. Okay. Call me crazy. Call me crazy, maybe. I, I, I just, got them. I got the them in seven. Re- okay, the Rangers have never lost a game seven at home, but guess what? They're not. If it gets that far, it'll be in the console energy center. So that's why I don't think the Rangers pull it out. I think Pittsburgh pulls it off, but you still like Boston to steamroll through the East. I think we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. I think the Western Conference is the real discussion here. Absolutely. Because to me, the East is boring. I think the West, a team that no one's talking about, is Chicago. And this man, Brian Bickle, I swear— he, there it is. Bickle just, mm. in the regular season, man, it's Halloween for him every day. He's just hidden. He's just a costume. He lights it up. In Brian re- Bickle's a good player. Let's not, let's not yeah, keep that down here. Yeah, but my point is, in the regular season, he's kind of incognito. But in the playoffs, that guy stands out. Absolutely, you know, and he's the kind of guy that he's you clutch. need to win with a playoff oh, yeah, in the playoffs. You know, that big body who can get to the front of the net and who knows how to, you know, play the body. And you know, his feet are constantly moving. And that was kind of his problem during the regular season. That might have been because of the long year he had last year. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows as far as that goes. But all that matters now is that he's rolling at this time, and he really is. Five goals, or I think, is what he's got. He's got a bullet shot, but he, I mean, he's a big kid, and even when he's not scoring, he's making things happen with his physical presence. And you know, about, the, so, no, no, no. The only team, the only team that is honestly lines one through four, incredibly flawless, like the Boston Bruins, are the Chicago Blackhawks, and I'll give you that. Wow, this is Austin Goodman's nightmare. Everyone, he is giving the Bruins credit. He is giving the Blackhawks credit. 
What's next? Jersey's going to get some credit? Absolutely not. They're pathetic. I but okay, that, I pushed my that, luck too far. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, the Blackhawks and the Bruins, both of those teams, I, I mean, look at the rosters. you got Taze, you got Seabrook, you got Kane, Bickle, Hosas, Keith, Saad, Shaw, Smith, all those players, and you tell me that they can't contend for another Stanley Cup? I mean, guys, you know, Kruger isn't even playing that well. Jalmerson isn't playing that well. All these players combined. Jalmerson had two points in game two. Yeah, I take I take issue with the Jalmerson now playing well. I think he's one of the best playoff performance every year also. Well, it's throughout this these playoffs now. In I mean, he's a b- shot block machine. I mean, the guy yeah, is but he, the he's fr- a huge part of this Hawks team right now. No, absolutely, but what I'm saying is because Love he's John such Merson. a man, because he's such a massive part of this Blackhawks team and this is why I bring him up is because he can step up and he can play that much better. He's oh. a great player All right. and I'm giving him that. Okay, that's fair enough. Okay, so now the Blackhawks are up 2-0 against uh Minnesota. Who do you like to win the series? Obviously, I think everyone's going to pick Chicago but how far do you see it going Lou I see it going six you know and I think Minnesota if Minnesota really got unlucky there with their goaltending situation in the regular season obviously losing Backstrom pretty early but then they brought in Brisgalov and you know he played not so well and then Darcy Kemper got through in there Darcy Kemper, tremendous series, first round against Colorado, and then all of a sudden he gets injured, and Minnesota barely hung on with Brisgalov in that uh, game seven, and so now, and I I think he's going to be the reason that they get dispatched of pretty quickly. But you know, I I I I do I do agree. I I I think Minnesota really is is not pretty quickly. I, because I think Minnesota is a good team, and if they really tighten down on D, like they can, Miko Koivu is a highly underrated player. He's going to pull it together. Jason Pomaville, they got a lot of weapons. I see Minnesota winning a couple. I like Minnesota to lose her. I notice on my – let's just say this. Minnesota to lose in five games. Yeah, That's I, agree, I, like. I agree with you right there. I don't want to say Blackhawks in five. I want to say Minnesota loses in five. Just sounds better. I don't know. For me, I think it's the Blackhawks winning in five. The Blackhawks are a tremendous they're, they're, they're just, team. And that's so hard for me to say, being you know a Detroit Red Wings guy. Uh, the Blackhawks are such a good team. They're, they're just a Stanley Cup team. They're just clicking on all cylinders. They're a Stanley Cup team. Marin Hossa is plus four in that game. Marion Hosa is a great he's player. Plus, he's, as a, much as, he's on the ice for you know, every everyone goal. around here hates him. He is such a good player. He is such a good player. And it's pretty obvious. He's so fast. He's so smart. You, you can't beat that guy. You really can't. Try to beat him to the puck. Try to out, out-muscle him to the puck. I dare he you. He was on the ice for every goal. Just That's unbelievable. He's plus four with three assists. And he's not even the first star of the game. Brian Bickle is. And let's keep in, li- keep in mind wow. that blue line presence with Seabrook. I mean, they're just playing well. I mean, they're a great team. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. And you I, could see a Bruins Blackhawks Stanley Cup Finals. I wouldn't put it past it at all. Uh, yeah, I could see that happening. I, again, I could see it happening like too. And that's gonna, that's gonna be so boring. We've seen that already. We've, I don't think it'll be boring. I don't think it'll be boring. I think it's gonna it be great hockey. Okay. I think it's gonna be it'll seven be, games of great. But I still hockey. think we're counting our chickens too fast here. Let's uh, let's back up and I want to. Put in. Uh, I think Bruins are going to win this series in seven against Montreal, but they still yeah. have to get through them. You can't. You can't discount Montreal. Yeah, and Montreal, Montreal's a great and, team. I'll say this: the only way Chicago doesn't win the Stanley Cup now, barring they get there, is if the Bruins don't beat Montreal. Because guess what? I see him killing Montreal. I see him absolutely dominating the Canadiens. I just don't see him beating Boston. I think it's going to go to seven games. I agree with you, Lou. Yep, I say Bruins in seven. No mm-hmm. doubt about it. Of course, Lou picks the Bruins. In other words, water is blue. Um, so <laughs> here on the pack, as we always debate on Mondays from 7 to 8, we are embracing the Spartan debate, whether it's playoffs or MSU Spartan stock. For Austin and Lou, no fate will have her next week with us. I'm your host, Fino, and you can catch us every Monday night from the basement of Holden Hall. Enjoy your single de Mayo if you're celebrating, and more importantly, 
Stay warm, everyone, because it's got to get a little warmer. Take care, everyone. <laughs>